everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul. I am your host, as is the usual. Today, from tornado-stricken Illinois, and you'll get that reference uh, later, I have Paul and Emily Slayton, who happen to own a business called Skeleton Key Brewery, um, but also, perhaps more importantly, are part of my D&D party. (laughs) (laughs) Much more importantly. Exactly. Paul and Emily, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks, man. It's great to see you any day, especially on Thursdays, but any day that's not a Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So this will be different for listeners of the show. You know that I typically interview musicians or artists. Um, I think as we get into the conversation, people will start to understand what the connection is here. But let's start uh, with Paul and Emily. What is Skeleton Key Brewery, let's see, as compared to um, uh, Iron City Brewery, uh, the the famous Pittsburgh brewery? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I don't want to alienate us from the beginning, but I don't know Iron City Brewery, to be honest, because we're from Chicago, and I've never gotten to go to Pittsburgh yet, although it is high up on our list yes. to come right. visit Pittsburgh, yes. Um, but please, by all means, you we, take it. Yeah, I mean, we are a microbrewery in the suburbs of Chicago. We aren't uh, widely distributed by any means. We're very much more of a uh, community community brewery, you know, like a, a third space type spot. Um, you know, we got a 15 barrel system, which means that every batch of beer we do puts out 30 kegs of beer to give you an idea. Okay. So not, not huge by any means, but, uh, it'll be our seventh anniversary this September. Um, dubiously seven years. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's literally been seven years, but it feels like a million. And at the same time, we've been out of commission for, uh, a, whole section of that right and we're going to talk about that but before we do the the name of the show is don't quit your day job don't is in parentheses right so because circumstances are different for everyone some people probably should quit their day job but won't or don't some people should not quit their day job uh but do um you guys just your husband and wife, of course. You're not brother and sister, so let's start there. Uh, <laughs> um, Although brother is our other partner. Yeah, right, that's John. True. right. That's that's true. John is the other partner. Um, but what I've said this many times, and some people, some listeners, I've gotten some pushback. Like you can't ask that question. But the question is, what gives you the right to just start a brewery? <laughs> I think that's a totally valid question because nothing gave us the right to do it. Really? We're still earning that right. More people should ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) But but really, it's about, it seems so huge, right? I'm just going to upend my life and try to do a thing. Like, how do you even, like, (laughs) what in your brain says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do this. Uh, I like, I like a good project. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really where it all started from. I, I mean, I didn't quit my day job for the first two years we were open. Um, I still was hanging out of those healthcare benefits until the brewery could actually, uh, bring those to the table okay. too. But yeah. it was, um, yeah, I, I, I think that we had talked about starting a business for a while. Um, 
And this just became the right path forward because it was the thing we were most passionate about. You know, Paul and I, Paul can talk about this too, but we have a background in hospitality. That's actually how we met. And so putting that into, you know, into, uh, into action in a way where we didn't have to answer to a boss was pretty great. That was, that was really the number one key thing was we didn't want to work for other people anymore. I'd say, um, we, you know, years, I mean, God, now 12 years ago at this point, I don't know, more than a decade ago now, Emily and John and I, uh, started brewing beer just at home, like everybody does. And we immediately took to it and fell in love with it. John was living in the city at the time working for the board of trade. Um, and I was out in the burbs with Emily. We just bought a house out here and we were kind of, you know, going through our lives, Emily working in marketing, me working in hospitality, John working in finance and, and, and stuff. And, and we started brewing and John started coming out every weekend and we would brew beer every weekend. And, you know, at that point you start buying more and more toys to make more and more beer right. and start realizing we have too much beer. We got to start throwing parties for our friends just to get rid of the beer that we have. <laughs> and from there, we kind of started talking about, you know, none of us were super happy with what we were doing with our lives and deciding that it would be really nice to not have to answer to anybody anymore. And we tossed around some ideas of, of what we want to do. And we kept brewing beer and brewing beer. And eventually it came around to, we're starting to get really good at this. And we love this. We love the culture. And, you know, John and Emily and I would travel and, and see other breweries in other parts of the country and world. And, and it just started making sense to us. And at the time it was, you know, there were a lot of breweries out there, you know. Um, it was right. It was right when there were, so many breweries opening up and even then you know even when we opened we kept thinking oh are we behind the curve on this you know is it is it did we start this too late were we too cautious (laughs) um believe it or not because it took me a couple years to to write the business plan, you know, and to feel good about the numbers that were on there which were very conservative um and, and we really, right up until the day we opened our doors, we're not sure it was going to happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. Everything takes longer than you think it's going to. But the nice part was, is that, you know. It costs more than you think it's going to. <laughs> with, with Emily having a marketing background, me having a hospitality background, John having a financial background, it really was a great, you know. Tripod. Yes, for the three of us to kind of <laughs> take on responsibilities that other ones couldn't handle as much, you know. When when I talk to musicians in particular, one of the things I ask about is anybody can make music, right? Anybody can record some shitty track and release it and it'll be on Spotify and then tens and tens of people will listen to it versus, you know, <laughs> be, because there's no barrier to entry anymore. Anybody can do it. And it's you know, when you when you think about those early days of brewing, how do you know that your beer is good enough to start a business? When people besides your mom tell you that it's really good. Yeah, when people... <laughs> I think it's the same in music, me, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Your mom's always going to be your biggest fan. Yeah. But, yeah, when people... You know, you hear good and bad things about it. And when you can take those bad things that you hear and you can understand that they're not just people being mean, that they're actually, you know, thought, well thought out, you know... Uh, comments on, on criticism thank yeah, you yeah. um then that's something that you can take to heart and you can tweak and you can make things better and when you start having people that don't know you at all 
Um, and no one knew us. Yeah. I mean, we were we were so quiet about our opening because I think we were all so afraid that it was going to fall, that the wheels are going to fall off before we even went anywhere, that we didn't really, you know, we didn't have a big um, social media push. You mm-hmm. know, we did a couple of, like, little homebrewer things and stuff like that. But we also had, like, you know, sort of an idea for this that wasn't just about us. It was also about being a platform, um, you know, like a springboard for other people's origin stories, you know, like with our incubator program that we did. And so for us, it was, we knew our beer was good because we liked drinking it and we knew what beer that we liked was good, you know? So yeah. we, we knew it was at least on par and we weren't afraid to keep learning. Right. You know, and you the, know? the another uh, the another band analogy that I want to make is lots of bands. You get to know people in your community, in your scenes, and some of those bands you like, and some of those bands you don't like, and some of them become frenemies. Where you have these sort of competitions, where you you know you feel like you're on the same level, and then someone starts to do a little bit better, or get bigger shows. You're like, God damn it, why don't why can't I get those shows? And <laughs> and as you said, the at least when I lived in Illinois, there were there seemed to be a new brewery every other month, right? And oh, yeah. so, is it sort of insular in the in the same way that the music scene can be, where you have friends and enemies and frenemies? That's that's a really interesting question, and I think that one of the things that drew us to this industry is, you know, it's not all puppies and sunshine and rainbows all the time. But I will say that overall. Being like this industry is really big on uh, sharing knowledge and and okay. helping each other yeah. because I think that if you're confident in what you're making, you don't have to be afraid of what other people are doing. And the difference, you know, I mean, with with music, you're dealing with you know a limited number of stages, you know, that people can perform on. I mean, you know. I'm oversimplifying, but with beer, it's like someone can have a different beer. They can have three different beers in a single sitting, you know, beers from three different breweries. So there's a little bit more like latitude there um, in terms of how you get in front of the consumer. Uh, You know, it's, it's not as um, focused in that manner, but yeah, there are hype breweries out there. And I think that we've never wanted to be a hype brewery. Um, for us, it was always community was at the core of what we do. But yeah, we have we have plenty of, I don't know, I don't even know that I call them frenemies. Like they're our communities straight in, up friends. Yeah, we, we all work together, we collab together, we mm-hmm. help each other out. I, I really do like the music analogy actually, because just like with music and you know, beer is the same way in the sense that, you know, if you're certain things are popular in certain parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Certain styles of yeah. beer you like better than other styles. Right. Certain styles of beer and music you probably liked at one point in your life and you decided after a few years you were over it. You like something <laughs> else too. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of different options in both of those things. And as a place that you know focuses heavily on drawing people into our tap room, as opposed to getting a lot of beer distributed out there, we also do a lot of live music mm-hmm. and work with a lot of local musicians. And I love different stuff. I mean, I've, you personally as a musician i know you love a lot of different styles of things i know that you have what is it 12 bands you're in right now something like that. something like that yeah <laughs> 16 guitars behind. yeah that's just one day <laughs> but i mean you know you, you like different stuff you play different stuff with different people and in a weird way you still like all of what you do right right, right. And I, I definitely want to talk more about the music connection. Um, but before we get there, 
Um, there was a tornado a few years ago in your area, which essentially destroyed your destroyed your facility, destroyed your your business. When that yeah. happens, okay, the first thought is, is anyone there? Is anyone hurt, right? So once you get beyond yeah. that, once you recognize, okay, no one's hurt, how do you even begin to think about, we built this business and now it seems to be gone again? Like, how <clears throat> that seems insurmountable to me. Honestly, our first, like, the first thing we thought about was our staff. Like, the first thing we thought was, how do we tell these people that they don't have jobs anymore? Right, right. You know, like, that was the first thing. Then it was, we had just completed an expansion. We had just completed that that room. <laughs> two months earlier, two we months finally earlier. opened our expansion. Yeah. And, and so. It got taken away in an instant. Basically. Yeah. I All I could think about was how I had just reached the finish line when it came to construction because I manage all the construction projects. And I was like, how can I do this again? You yeah. know, how, how can we go through this again? But then another, I don't know, for us, I think. If it wasn't for the people around us, yeah. we might have crumpled and folded and said, we're done. Um, okay. Just because we wouldn't even know no, how to it, pick ourselves we up. We were, you know, inconsolable is not the right thing to say because we had a lot of other people we had to worry about too. But that first 48 hours is the longest 48 hours of our lives, I think. We didn't sleep. We didn't sleep 40 hours straight. It was, it was you know, by the time the next morning came, because the tornado actually took place on June 21st of 2021. It was uh, Father's Day. It was June 20th. June 20th, sorry. June 20th, 2021. <laughs> it's Father's Day. I'm glad that I don't remember that fucking day. <laughs> but at night, the tornado came through, and we were there, you know, as soon as the fire department would let us in to see what had happened, you know, it was 2, 3 in the morning, we wound up, you know, assessing and realizing, okay, before anybody in the world starts to know, we got to be able to get out to our staff and talk to them. So right. we sent them all real early messages saying, Hey, we want to meet up and talk to you guys at 10 AM via zoom call. Um, by the time 7 AM hit though, that was about when the phone calls began because that was when the news started covering. Okay. Yeah. And the first call I got of the day was my, you know, my dad called me up and was like, um, I can see from a helicopter down into your building yeah. froze. The roof is gone. And I'm like, yeah. I know. Thanks for the heads up. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Let me talk to my staff. Um, but ultimately, it was the it was it's everybody the else in our community. Yeah. Our brewing community pulled together. They got a GoFundMe going so that we could help bring in some money to help pay our staff and, and cover some of the immediate costs that we needed. Um, and they helped us move. We literally had just canned. I mean, how much beer? Yeah, the day before the tornado. Yeah, we had just canned about 15 barrels of beer, which was great because then we had product to sell because at that point, the rain hadn't started yet. And so we hadn't flooded yet. It was just the day tornado. Then the flooding started and then all the other walls fell down. But before that, we were able to get that beer out, which was great. But the thing that I think was the most difficult to come to terms with was that the local community, I mean, the beer community was, it was incredible. We knew that these people were coming off of COVID like we just had, you know, and all the shutdowns in Illinois, like we had to fly with. And so we all already knew that our industry was hurting and here they were reaching out to help us, which was incredible. But the local community who were literally hit by the tornado also, some people whose homes were destroyed or, you know, just, these were these people were still 
coming up and buying beer from us and saying how sorry they were and how, you know, and how much they wished we would come back. And we're like, dude, but we, but your house, like, this is, I mean, it's still just a business. Yeah. Like that was the thing that was tough to come to terms with because yeah, for us, it was our lives, but it wasn't. We were a hype brewery for a week. Right. Yeah. 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 We, we were a total week. hype brewery. Everybody wanted our beer because they knew they might never get it again. <laughs> And the way that I think about it, and and again, this this is way underselling what actually occurred. But if you're if you're working on your computer and you lose power or you don't save, and then it's all gone, right? And then you have to take that moment to go, God damn it! Now I have to write this whole thing again, or I have to do this whole yeah. thing all over again from scratch. And again, not diminishing the the actual human impact here, but. Sometimes it's hard to just do that reset, but you had to do yeah. it for yourselves, for your business, for your employees. So how did you how did you turn the key to say, okay, we're we're gonna rebuild? Honestly, it was very much the the fact that people I, w- I don't want to say expected us to. But pushed us, us to, to wanted us yeah, to. Yeah, like okay. the, it wasn't just a yeah. yeah it wasn't like. It was, we could have been like, oh, you know what? We're going to call it and say this isn't worth rebuilding. But that was never going to happen because from hours after the tornado hit and everything broke, people were already like, all right, let's help them do this. Let's help them do this. Let's help them get this out. We're going to plan and get trucks over for this day. And at that point, it was it was so overwhelming. We were so, you know, at the time, scatterbrained and tired and just trying to, and adrenaline-filled at the same time, trying to figure everything out that it was almost impossible to say no to anyone about it was, anything. That was like honestly one of the hardest things you know like if you, if you delete your file that you were just working on or forgot to save it like at least you have that moment by yourself where you get to be like fuck 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 yeah. fuck yeah. and we had that for like a little bit that morning but we were in such shock that one of the hardest things about it was that we weren't really able to process the grief from mm-hmm. that loss for months I mean, it was it was months afterwards before it kind of hit us like a ton of bricks and that delayed response from our psyches, you know, which is, done, you know, it's probably meant to preserve you and, you know, some sort of, you know, way, genetic but like way. genetic way. <laughs> but um, but that was like that was sort of the hard part was that I kind of wanted to talk about how sad I was. And, and you really can't because people will be like but isn't it great you know right. that this that, right. or our least favorite thing our, yeah our, everything happens for a reason oh you know, man and i you get people you know, get it it's people, a platitude that is that means well but yeah. it's so hurtful it's like you know people nowadays will say um you know, they're, they're, they're gentle with their words, but they'll say something along those lines or something along the lines of, you know, well, it kind of was a blessing in disguise. You got to do this and this. Or and good stuff came out exactly, of it. And it's like, I've gotten yeah. better at accepting that from it's people, true. but it still just kind of sticks in my craw a little bit because right. it's like, yeah, it, you know, bad stuff happens all the time. And we find a way to explain why it happened and why we shouldn't let it destroy us. But Emily just nailed it right there. Like there was... There was no time for us to process right. and be sad and cry without having to explain it to 80 people. Right. A lot of it had to do with our, our staff and, and our people around us and, and making sure that we were, you know, we had to be the strong ones, still, yeah. you know, and, you know, and it was, there was, there was really hard times where, you know, you'd go through those first couple of days and not have seen one of the people that's really important to your life. And then 
you know, what do you think? You're like, all right, I'm starting to feel better. I'm starting to feel better. And all of a sudden you'd see that one person and then the tears would just fucking go crazy. Yeah. You know, break down and lose it all over again, you know? Um, but, you know, we couldn't be more thankful for the way the community, uh, beer community and the general community came out to support us. You know, it was, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we're going to move into some of the, we're going to move into some of the music and, and other stuff that you're doing, but yeah. how long did it take for you to reopen from exactly 11 months, 11 months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We, we did reopen. Um, I don't know if you were, you were at Lil Key at some point, right? I was for sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we did, opened up once we had, you know, the, the building was secure enough to let people in. We opened up basically like a little speakeasy style mini tap room in the back right. um, where we had a kegerator and we were doing collabs throughout the summer with other breweries. We actually went on what we called our lift and let lift collab tour and hit about 13 breweries over the course of the summer, made beer at all of them. We were able to purchase it and pour it at our place. Um, and it brought in a lot of our regular customers that missed us, you know, and we um, missed them. yeah. And that was, that was a good six months probably of, of having that open, uh, throughout the course of that 11 month period that we were shut down. Um, and then once we were able to get everything else fixed up, uh, and we kind of reopened in stages. Yeah. yeah we were opening yeah. in stages. Yeah. But when we did our final grand reopening, it was, uh, it should have been the second week of May. And then Emily and John went up with COVID and we're like, holy shit, everyone's going to get sick. Let's just. <laughs> We'll put this off one more week, and, and then wow. it wound up. Yeah, end of the fucking finish oh line, God, and then you're like, "Oh goddamn it!" It was, it was, a, it was a weird. Like, who the hell is keeping an eye on me and making sure that I am under their thumb? <laughs> that is, yeah, that is perfect, perfect timing. Um, okay, so now, now you're open, and before all of that happened, before COVID, you were having music, and you, you guys are supporters of the music scene in the western suburbs of Chicago. Um, yeah. Before we talk about what that actually means, um, the question I have is, is it important as a brewery, as a business that's trying to draw people in um, to have those sorts of activities? Because I know that there are bars that don't need music, right? They have it because they love music or whatever, um, but they don't need it because they have enough people coming in. You know, when you guys think about music or entertainment or having the food trucks come in, how is it part of what your business is? We won't just have music for the sake of having music. Paul, um, Paul, you know, hires all the musicians that come in there so he can speak more to this. But I would say in general, it's uh, we only hire musicians whose music and uh, we connect with, you know, that okay. we enjoy, okay. you know, we, you know. And that's not to say we don't like a lot of different styles and, 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 and things, you know, but we do know that there's a, uh, you know, a tendency to, a tendency for a lot of places to have exactly the same kind of music every weekend or to have the same person at their place over and over and over again. And we do like to change it up. I definitely have an amazing stable of musicians that have been working with us for years right. and we bring them out, you know, regularly, you know, every couple of months we'll have these people back out. And at the same time, I'm always looking for, for new acts. Like Magnolia Rush. Like you Magnolia know. Rush. You know. Bums. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it's it's always fun to uh and one, actually one of the best ways that i do enjoy um getting new musicians for our place is by getting references from the other musicians that i already love yeah. you know okay. like you know okay. what i like and, and you've recommended musicians to me that have played at our place before yeah. and will yeah. be playing again they're already on our calendar again and i i look at that stuff and i think to myself 
not only is this something that I would want to go and sit and watch, but is this something I don't, you know, that, that people will enjoy, keep the room upbeat. I don't want people coming in and, and listening to, you know, sad. Dark Side of the Moon for three hours and being, you know, if you like Pink Floyd, totally like, but, but that brings the room <laughs> down sometimes, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing I want to ask about is if you have regulars that come in and just want to chill and have a beer and talk to, to Quinn or Adam or whatever, because they know your bartenders. Um, and there's music that night. Do you, do you ever get any pushback? Like, why are you doing music? I just want to come in and hang out in the tap room. So I'm glad you asked that because one, one of the, two, two things on that. One, we have two bars now. Any night that we do have music, we have music. We put a stage up in what we call the den, which is our original bar. And it's a great spot for music. You can go in there, sit and listen. It'll be kind of loud and people can enjoy whatever the act is. But at the same time, the other room that we call the lounge is open and the sound does not bleed into the lounge from the other room. So and then the family room's right in between and you kind of get It's really nice because people have the option. And we also, on that same uh, line, we, we don't, I, I usually have one weekend out of the month that we don't have music. We okay. usually do three, you know, three weekends out of the month. I'll have music mostly once, once either Friday or Saturday, sometimes both Friday and Saturday, but then there's always one weekend where we keep it open it helps for us for booking private events and stuff like that too. Um, but it's also a good, like you said, sometimes people just want to go in there and talk to their friends and we're busy enough that both rooms got to be open just for that. Um, and we don't want to blow people away with music every night necessarily. Right. And we're right. generally all busier when we have live music. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, it, live music definitely does bring people in, but it is nice to have that little breathing space every now and then. Oh, yeah. And then what about the, the gaming aspect? Obviously, I mentioned that we, we all play D&D together. Um, I know that you guys enjoy board games. I know that there are other groups that come in and, and play games of, of various types in the brewery. How does that fit all into what your business is? I mean, the, the whole idea was always for it to be a gathering space. So games for us have always been how, you know, especially in our adult lives, like, how we gather yeah we love love playing board games and it's definitely how we gather with friends a lot like our friends that we see the most often are the ones that we will have epic weekends of playing board games so when we set up the family room which previously didn't have a name um but it uh now it does now that the lounge exists those are huge tables we have in there and we got those tables specifically so that they could accommodate large board games i mean it was it was something that was built in from the get-go. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, we, I, I, we love when people bring, we used to have nights where people would bring, come in and play big D&D games every single week and they'd sit in our front room at those big yeah. tables and they would play for hours and hours and, and they would have a blast. We've done nights where we've had, um, what do they call it? The, where all, the, the big D&D nights where there's like four tables and they're all doing the what same did, thing. I remember what we called that it. That was a really fun night, you know, things that I, <laughs> are nerdy beyond even me who, you know, like, for a guy, as a guy who plays D and D every single week, pretty you know? pretty nerdy, especially with all the anime and stuff. You're one of the nerdier guys. <laughs> I know. A lot of a lot of anime. Don't make me show off my tattoos, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's a great gathering spot. We love bringing people in of all different, you know, interests. And, yeah, yeah, and and we've nerds. All the nerds yeah. come to our place. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of nerdy stuff, one of the newer things that you're doing, which seems to be super successful, is an old timey radio show. Oh, so, yeah. so again, where does this come from? What is it? Why are you doing it? 
<laughs> we love old fashioned shit. We do love old fashioned. I would. I. I one day, I really hope that you will be out and you can come and see it in person because it really is something special. So, one of our regular musicians that we have, a good buddy of ours uh, named Henry Scherer, he um, approached me. I don't know, last spring at some point, and he knows that I love, I love shitty '80s movies. I love old horror. I love old timey radio shows like The Shadow and The Whistler and shit like that. And he was like, I had this idea. And I kind of want to like do like an old timey radio drama. It's like, and I, you know, initially my thought was to have like a fake sponsor. He's like, but then I kind of started thinking, you know, would maybe Skeleton Key want to be this? And I think she didn't even finish the sentence before I said, yes, let's fucking do that. I want a thousand percent. I am in. Let's fucking do it. What do we got to do? And then me and Henry and Wink, his buddy who does all the tech stuff with him, they basically started putting it together. And I started working with them. And they're put, so incredibly talented. It's amazing. You know, we did the first one last July. We basically, uh, Henry writes the scripts, um, and then uh, the Black and Blue Hearts with Colleen Wilde, which is a little jazz collective that we have, does all the music for it. And then every other month, we put on a live performance um, of the radio drama with actors on stage, with a sound effects table, with the jazz band supplying the musical interludes. All original music, too, All original for music. each episode. We were just talking about last night. We got enough music to do to release a, a full album at this point uh, already. So like, cool. it's, it's pretty incredible. And when we did it that first time, it went over really well. And now we do it for two nights, and we sell out in a matter of hours for those two nights. Um, we're, we've submitted to a couple different like radio drama competitions because those exist, which I didn't know until oh, recently. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it's one of those things that nobody else is doing right now. Ours is called the Spectral Silhouette, and it's a you know, classic story, 1940s private detective, uh, got into an altercation. He died for a few minutes, and when they brought him back, he then had the ghost of a mobster named Sill, who only he can hear in his head, <laughs> while him and his partner Penny solve these crimes and try to help Sill find his murderers. And it's very, it's part Scooby-Doo, it's part The Shadow. Um, we all do the, the different characters and then play different parts in every single Our episode. Our staff plays a lot of the parts. Twins in it, Walter's in it. It's, John's it's, in it. John's in it. It's, it's an absolute blast. And now every month we do, we basically, uh, in odd months we have a live performance, but on the months that we don't have a live performance, we're just doing the studio recorded version. And right now on Spotify, we got six studio recorded episodes up. We just put up episode six yesterday on Spotify. So if you want to try hear anything, you can go to Spectral Silhouette on Spotify or Red Circle and find the first six episodes. And they've just gotten better and better as they go. And I will, I will certainly drop the link so so people can check that out. Uh, I would encourage people to to do that. In terms of in terms of what you envisioned your space to be, understanding that you had COVID, you had a disastrous tornado, you things didn't perhaps go the way that, that you wanted them to go. How are you measuring success now? So I would say old-timey radio programs are successful, right? By any measure, you know, you guys do such a great job with all of that. But when you, when you think about all of it, um, how how do you know when, when you can say, you know what, that we're doing pretty good right now? So... So I'm like, I don't know that I'll ever feel good about saying that again, because I shit you not, probably 15 minutes before we heard the tornado sirens that night, I literally looked to Paul and I said, we're doing pretty good. Like, I feel good for the first time in years. So I'm really hesitant to say that, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Um, feel really good right now. Like, and I think we measure that based on the, uh, the feedback that we get from the people who come in and people are excited about stuff that we're doing. People, mm -hmm. you know, these spectral silhouette shows sell out within 
I, minutes and, you know, classes that we do, because we do a lot of educational classes because that's a core part of our mission also. They sell out within, you know, hours. And so to us, that is valuable feedback that says what we're doing is what the people who come to our place want to see. And we only do things that we want to do. So to me, that says we're vibing with our audience. And um, I can't imagine anything being, you know, equating to success more than that. And on a a slightly more selfish level than that, I I also, I'm a firm believer in how happy we are makes us feel more successful too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not talking about monetary success. I'm not talking about anything other than, you know, when we are happy with the way that things are going, when our staff is happy, when our customers are happy, uh, it makes everything feel better. And it makes every, it makes me want to try harder. You know, if I see a smile in somebody's face and I don't see it the next time, I'm like, why the fuck is that person not smiling this time? And I'm going to figure out how to make the smile after that. Yeah. Ideally. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I will drop all the links for everyone who's listening. I want to thank everyone who's listening uh, for your support. And um, I ask that you please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rate on there. It seems to help us out the most. Please check out Spectral Silhouette. Please check out Skeleton Key Brewery. If you were in Woodridge or Darien, I can't. Woodridge. Woodridge. Right across the street from Darien. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Woodridge, Illinois, if you're in the western suburbs, uh, lots of choices there. Some friends like Miskatonic Brewing, of course. Um, oh, but yeah. definitely check out Skeleton Key. Um, Paul and Emily, thanks a lot for, for hanging out with me for a bit and answering some some questions. Thanks, thanks for having, for having us, having man. Us, man. So yeah. See you tomorrow at, uh, at D&D, I guess. Yes. Better. Definitely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>